Angel Answers with Amy Toy. I have a very, very special guest with me today. He is one of the the best authors and changed my life with one of his former books called The Moses Code. His name is James Twyman, and James Twyman has always had a special affinity for St. Francis of Assisi, so much so that the New York Times bestselling author, film producer, and internationally famed Peace Troubadour, quote-unquote, recently took orders as a Franciscan hermit and was inspired to write his most recent book sensation, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis. But now Twyman will bring his stirring new musical on St. Francis, entitled his musicals entitled Brother Sun, Sister Moon, to Broadway on February 20th through March 1st of 2020. And with the beloved saint as his model, will travel to a, a continent's penniless, on foot and what, with whatever food, housing, and further transportation that God will provide him to get there. He is, like I said, the New York Times bestselling author of 16 books, including The Moses Code and Emissary of Light. He's also recorded more than 18 music albums, including the Billboard chart bestseller I Am Wish, Wishes Fulfilled, along with Dr. Wayne Dyer, produced or directed seven feature films and has led millions of people and massive synchronized meditations while visiting such countries as Bosnia, Iraq, Northern Ireland, and South Africa, and also Israel. Welcome, Dr. Well, welcome, James Twyman. How are you doing today, James? I am amazing. And, you know, it's always very odd for me to hear introductions like that because it feels like you're talking about someone else. <laughs> <laughs> you think? I know. Sometimes you're like, is that me or is that somebody else that yeah. impersonates me? Did I do all of that? Wow. That's, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. It doesn't impress me, but when you hear it like that, it, 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 that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So what are you up to now before you go on this amazing tour? Where do you live and what has, what are you up to mm. before we get into the musical? Well, I actually live in a little town in Mexico called Ajijic, which is on Lake Chapala near Guadalajara. I have a beautiful spiritual community here called Namaste Lake Chapala, where we have about 40 houses and people people from all over the world are here. And this, by the way, this area is a huge expat location for Americans and Canadians and Europeans. It's the second best weather in the world. It's very safe and beautiful. And so we have this beautiful group of people who are dedicated to peace and dedicated to awakening. So I spend most of my time here, unless I'm on the road, which I will be very soon for this musical, Brother, Son, Sister, Moon, and the book and all of that. Awesome. Well, by the way, the book was awesome. It had a great, great story. It, it was awesome. But it's really... a um, it's about St. Francis of Assisi. Why did you choose him to write about? Well, as you said in the introduction, I've always had a deep affection and connection with Francis. 
like you, I was raised Catholic, and when you're raised mm-hmm. Catholic, you usually get what I call the birdbath St. Francis, which is the one that people fall in love with. You know, the Francis mm-hmm. statues holding the thing of water for the birds to sing and dance in and drink from. And that certainly was a part of who he was. But as I grew older, I began to learn more about the mm-hmm. more complicated St. Francis and the dramatic effect that he had on the whole world 800 years ago. And I realize now that he is as important to this time as he was to his own time. Because, number one, he is the the most beloved of all the Catholic saints. People from almost every mm-hmm. tradition love St. Francis. And mm-hmm. because of his work as the first interreligious peacemaker, he has mm-hmm. something so important to teach us about peace. And just to give you one example, uh, this is the 800th anniversary of probably my favorite story about St. Francis. I actually wrote another book like 15 years ago called The Prayer of St. Francis, and I recounted mm-hmm. this story. So 800 years ago, perhaps my favorite story of Francis occurred, and it, it happened during the Crusades. That The Crusades were out of control at this point, and the leader of the Muslim force, whose name was the Sultan al-Kamil of Egypt, once said... Mm-hmm that he would give a Byzantine gold coin to any Muslim that would bring him the head of a Christian. And when Francis heard this, yeah, pretty dramatic, but when Mm -hmm. Francis was a very dramatic guy, when he heard this, he immediately said, okay, that's where I'm going, that's who I need to go visit. And of course, everyone, including the Pope, told him that you can't because you'll be tortured and killed. And Francis didn't Mm -hmm. care, he and his brother Illuminato, it took them three different attempts to finally get there. And as soon as they arrived in the Muslim territory, they were immediately arrested. They were tortured. They were sentenced to die. And there they were in prison, singing and dancing and celebrating so much so that the Sultan was confused and wanted to meet this guy, this little Italian. So he had a meeting with Francis, and no one quite knows what happened, but we know what the result was. The Sultan was so moved that he gave Francis the gift of an ivory horn, which was the symbol of safe passage from the Sultan himself, giving him permission Mm -hmm. to travel anywhere in the Muslim territory to share and teach and and just let people know what was in his heart. And Mm -hmm. this story, I think, is one of the most compelling stories of Francis because it shows his bravery, it shows his humility, and I think it also speaks to this time. Uh, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's a great there's a great quote that I heard um, actually when I first started writing the musical Brother Sun Sister Moon, and, and this quote really spurred me on. And and I would love to see if you can guess who said it because it's you know hard you know people don't usually guess. This person mm-hmm. said, he said a revolution failed. What we really needed were ten St. Francis of Assisi's. Who do you think mm-hmm. might have said that? I'm going to ask George Washington. George Washington. No one's ever guessed that before. But oh, revolution, okay. that was good, yeah? Yeah. A lot of people mm-hmm. say someone from the 60s, King or John Lennon. But the truth mm-hmm. is, it was Vladimir Lenin, the architect mm-hmm. of the Russian Revolution, who was an atheist. Uh-huh. But he uh-huh. saw the power in this man who was completely 100% dedicated to peace. And when I heard that, I thought, okay, I'll be number nine, I'll be number 10. Who are the other nine? 
And that's when I decided to travel across the country doing this musical on the way to Broadway and the book and everything else. So, yeah, it was a very long answer to your short question, but Francis has always inspired me. And most of all, he's inspired me now to live the life that I envisioned like 25 or 26 years ago. Wow, that is awesome. That is that's commendable, actually. Because he is a good example. And you're right, being raised Catholic, I remember the affinity with the animals and, you know, right. <laughs> the water fountain or, you know, the, the bird right. bath or whatever, you know. Um, and I love his uh, prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, make me an in- instrument of your peace and so on. So, yeah. That's... Well, that's a beautiful prayer for sure. And it's so popular and people love that prayer. And I actually begin the musical by singing that prayer. And yet, I hate to tell people, but Francis did not write that prayer. It is a... (laughs) I know, it's almost like hearing there's no Santa Claus, isn't it? No, Francis did not write that. It showed up around the beginning of the 20th century. And it was attributed to him because it was published on the back of a holy card. It said, a simple prayer. And on the other side of it was a picture of Francis. And so it became known as the Prayer of St. Francis. And yet Francis did write some very, very important prayers. Most important was the one he wrote on his deathbed, which was called Brother, Son, Sister, Moon, or Canticle of the Creatures. And it was Francis praising all of creation. And it was actually the first prayer or anything, the first piece of anything that was actually written in what we now know as the Italian language. And Francis gets credit for a prayer that he didn't write, but most people don't even know the most beautiful prayer he did write, the Canticle of the Creatures. Mm. Now to look that up after this interview. Yeah, it's beautiful. So why why is it important for you to pretend to be St. Francis while on this tour? Ah, good question. Well, as you said, uh, on this tour, which begins in Portland, Oregon, on January 4th, mm. and then goes down to Santa Barbara, and then all the way across the country. Uh, the, the, the Broadway show goes from uh, January, uh, February 20th to March 1st. But, you know, I didn't want to just be like a normal actor and show up in New York and get an apartment or a hotel and do a musical. I wanted to do it like St. Francis would have done it. And so that mm-hmm. meant traveling across the country penniless, in complete trust, not knowing how I'm going to get from place to place, along with my friend Bill Free, who will be coming with me, how we're getting from place to place, where we're going to stay, how we're going to eat, in total trust, because that's what Francis would have done. And I don't have any worry at all. I know we're going to be completely taken care of. But I also had the idea that once I begin that show in Portland, I wanted to enter into the character of Francis, much as a method actor enters into a character when they're doing a movie. Like, for example, mm-hmm. you take, I think my favorite actor is Daniel Day-Lewis. And when mm-hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis was doing Lincoln, Spielberg's Lincoln, for that entire time, those nine months that they shot, he did not leave character. Every night, his wife slept with Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> and I even heard that when they finished shooting, it took him probably three days to get his Irish accent back. That's how deep he went. And I thought, mm-hmm. what if I could do the same thing? Well, what if I, for that two months, lived as St. Francis? Not saying that to anyone, not telling people I'm St. Francis, but in my mind, mm-hmm. coming from that 
perspective, to see how that would change me, to see how that would influence this performance. So that's the reason I'm doing that, because I, it's kind of an experiment. I want to see what will happen within my mind, within my own life, and how that will impact this performance as I travel across the country. Wow. And that's, that's awesome. You got, <laughs> oh, wow, that's a reliance on God that a lot of people don't have today. You know, and yeah. that, that is phenomenal. We can learn a lot from your example. And wow. Well, I'm trying to learn a lot from Francis's example. So if if any of that rubs off, I'm very grateful. But as I said before, I, I think, especially in these polarized times, Francis's example is as important today as it has ever been. We need mm. people to be that dedicated. We need people to be 100% just as he, and also Claire. Let's talk about her for a moment, because Claire sure. so often gets left out. You know, being yeah. a nice Catholic girl, you probably know who St. Claire is. Yes, she was the feminine counterpoint to Francis, and mm-hmm. just as important, in some ways even more important, there were at least two stories of how Claire saved the town of Assisi from being destroyed by armies. At least twice mm-hmm. that happened. And yet mm-hmm. she lived as a cloistered nun, so we don't know much about her, not like Francis. But she was the very first woman to leave everything behind and to come and follow his example. And her family was the closest thing to royalty that they had in Assisi. They were from a very ancient Roman family. So it was a very, very big deal. And Claire left everything and decided to live with the poorest of the poor. And, and so that dedication, that level of commitment that both Francis and Claire had, that's what changed the world 800 years ago. And you, we have to remember that they lived at the very end of what we call the Dark Ages. People don't often know what came right after that. And the answer is the Renaissance. Because of Francis, he, and so he so inspired the artists and the musicians at that time. He was a major inspiration for the Renaissance. And I really believe that today we need that again, because this is a very dark, shadowy time. And maybe if those 10 St. Francis's came along that Vladimir Lenin talked about, maybe that would be enough to initiate a new Renaissance where this polarization dissolves and we can begin to realize our oneness again. That's what I'm hoping anyway. And I hope that in some small way, this musical and the book inspire that. Mm, yes, I agree with that. The times we live in, awful. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, what inspired you to write the musical Brother, Son, Sister Moon? Well, oddly enough, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> really? <laughs> I bet I got. I love to hear this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was Bruce. It was the boss. Uh, Bruce did a one-man musical on Broadway called Springsteen on Broadway. And goodness, I wanted to go and see it live. I love Bruce Springsteen. And they released the musical on Netflix. And I watched it on Netflix, and I loved it. It was basically Bruce telling the story of his life and then picking up the guitar and singing a song. And It was brilliant. And I thought, what if Francis could travel back 800 years and do the same thing? What stories would he tell? What songs would he sing? So it was right after I saw that Springsteen video, that I sat down and began writing it. I think that the musical, music and all, took me maybe three weeks to write. 
And wow. I, I performed it on my book tour when Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis came out earlier in the year. Uh, but then, then the invitation came to do it on Broadway. So I, I, I've had so much fun traveling around the world doing it, but doing this tour and doing it in New York. And by the way, I should say that when we're in New York, we're going to be doing something that, as far as I know, no other musical has ever done. And that is every day we're going to be on the street passing out free tickets to the homeless and inviting oh, them wow. to come and to join us and to to just unite. And th- this is what Francis would have done. And we're going to have a soup kitchen in the back of the theater where we all will join together in a nice bowl of soup and bread. And half the audience will be filled with people from the streets. So I'm mm-hmm. so excited about this. To me, this is the kind of fire that Francis would have created and that he would have inspired 800 years ago. And if we can do even a fraction of that today, I think that will maybe start heading us in the right direction. I, that's that's awesome. I think that's great. Wow. Wow. I'm shocked. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a you know, I'm just sitting here. If you could see my jaw drop to the floor, you would be like, Okay, Amy <laughs> I, just, You know, I, 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 I was just awesome. talking to my, my community here in Mexico earlier today and uh, we had a similar experience and there's a, a word in that the Brits like to say which is gobsmacked. That's when yes. your jaw hits the floor. And yep. this what we're experiencing here is God smack. We've been smacked mm-hmm. upside the head by God, and that's a good thing. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, I call it the the, two, uh, the spiritual two by four upside the head, as my dad used to say. Um, yeah. And I'll I'll credit him for that. And sometimes that's what <laughs> has to happen: is that two by four you need you need to be hit upside the head a few times to get a lesson but isn't or something. It, isn't yeah. it interesting how something as simple as someone giving everything, like Francis did eight hundred years ago, how how that can be so inspiring? or even seems so unusual that there would be someone who would, in Francis's mind, simply try to see if it was possible to do what Jesus said. Now, that shouldn't be Mm -hmm. so inspiring, because that's something we should all be doing. But it's so unusual that when someone really commits to it, it's so unusual Mm -hmm. that it it, it hits us like that spiritual two-by-four and wakes us Mm -hmm. up. And that's what needs Mm -hmm. to happen. We need to be woken up. And it's happening mm-hmm. everywhere. A lot of the you know ridiculous things that are going on in the government and, and elsewhere, I think this is part of the wake-up call. But now we have to move into action. And from, for me, moving into action, I didn't want to do something that was against a person or against uh, a way of governing. I wanted to do something that was for what I was in favor of for peace, mm. for harmony. Mm-hmm. And no one, no character is better than that than St. Francis. And so that's why I'm so impassioned and excited about this musical and the book, because I think it, it gives us a different perspective and, and a, an opening that allows us to step through a door that we really, really need to step through right now. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 150%, let me tell you. Um, definitely, definitely. Um, the next question I have for you, it has been seven years since you wrote a book. Your latest book entitled Giovanni on the Camino of St. Francis broke that drought. Why did you wait so long to write this book? Well, you know, when you've had any success at all as an author, your publisher wants you to keep putting books out, keep the brand going. Mm -hmm. 
And after 15 books, I I just realized I didn't have anything new to say. And I didn't want to mm. just write a book to write a book. And mm-hmm. so I, I basically said, I'm not going to write a book un- until one is just knocking at my heart. And, and I'm kind of forced to because I become so excited about it. So it took me mm-hmm. seven years. And about, well, a few years ago now, um, the first time I walked the Camino of St. Francis, which is about 110 miles going from a place called Averna, a monastery, um, along mm-hmm. the little trails and small roads that Francis would have walked 800 years ago on his way to Assisi. And as I was walking that with a group a number of years ago, I just started playing with this idea, a story that that really haunted me of a woman named Anna who has had a tough life and she was originally from Italy but left when she was 17 because she had become pregnant and was a disgrace to the family. And this is the first mm-hmm. time she's ever come back and now she's in her late 50s. And she decides to walk the Camino, even though she doesn't like St. Francis, doesn't believe in God, she mm-hmm. somehow needs to walk this Camino, and she meets this young Italian guy named Giovanni, who ends up, through mm-hmm. the simple example of his life and the stories that he tells her, begins to melt her heart. And mm-hmm. I, I played with this story for a few years, and finally it just wouldn't let me go. So I said, okay, I have to write this. And about a year and a half ago, I sat down and began writing. And for me, the most fun was that I knew how it began and I knew how it ended, but I didn't know anything in the middle. So mm-hmm. writing the book, I, I would literally just sit sit down in front of my computer and say, okay, what happens today? Where are they going to go today? I, I knew where they would, were going because I, I know the route, but I didn't know what would happen along the way. So it was just as fun for me to write as I'm hoping it is for people to read because I had to discover it along the way. Huh. That's interesting because um, I've heard about this route. Um, didn't I think Wayne Dyer did something similar? Maybe not the whole thing, but I think he did. I don't think Wayne's ever done the Camino, but Wayne had a great love of St. Francis, and he mm-hmm. I think he's brought one or more groups to Assisi uh, yes. to, to mm-hmm. just be in that vibration, which I've done, I don't even know, 20 times maybe myself. Uh, I, I bring people there every year. And and I walk, well, I should say now we're doing what I call the Camino Light. Because <laughs> mm. it's hard. It's, it's a hard Camino walk. And you're up and down a lot of hills. And I just a few months ago did the first Camino Light, which means we don't walk the whole thing. We just walk certain parts of it, maybe mm-hmm. three to five miles a day. And then we find little Italian towns or villas or monasteries where we can sit and sip cappuccinos and nice glasses of red wine. And uh-huh. it's just a, a lot better. And so I'm going to be bringing another group next year. And I should say that if, if anybody wants to uh, sign up for any of those things or even watch 20 minutes of that musical, um, all they need to do is go to jimmytwyman.com, which is J-I-M-M-Y-T-W-Y-M-A-N. Uh, you can get information on the the Camino, you can see what cities I'll be in. So if I'm near you, you can come and see it. And when I was in Assisi a couple of months ago, uh, I performed the musical there and it was shot Mm -hmm. professionally. So I have the first 20 minutes of it up there online. So 
gives people mm-hmm. a chance to to see it. And if you get on our email mm-hmm. list, you'll get alerts as I'm doing the cross country trip and just kind of keep track of where we are. Oh wow! I'll definitely sign up for that. Are you coming to Florida? <laughs> Not on this trip, but I'm I'm hoping to put together a special tour of Florida in the latter part of 2020. Awesome, awesome! I love it. That that would be so awesome to meet you in person. <laughs> um, let's talk about your um your your called the Peace Troubadour. Why is mm-hmm. that? That's interesting. Um, that's an interesting um, designation or you know title mm-hmm. to have. Well, it was actually uh, 25 years ago that I was given that name, Peace Troubadour. It started mm-hmm. when. And this brings us back to St. Francis once again, but from a different angle. Uh, Mm -hmm. I should say that in 1986, I think it was October 27th of 1986, the Pope, uh, Pope John Paul II, did something that had never been done before. He called all the leaders of the 12 major religions of the world to Assisi, the home of St. Francis, Mm -hmm. not to discuss or argue, but to simply bring the peace prayer from their tradition. So the Dalai Lama was there for the Buddhist and all the other leaders including the Native American tradition, the Native African tradition. And there was a ceremony where they each prayed their peace prayer. And a friend of mine named Louis Randa was there. And he he was there by accident, by the way. He didn't plan on being there for that day. But he was so moved by these prayers, he brought them back and began distributing them. And a friend of mine, a few years later, gave me a copy. This was 25 years ago now. And I I began to read the first prayer, which was the Hindu prayer, which begins by saying, O God, lead us from the unreal to the real. O God, lead us from darkness into light. O God, lead us from death to immortality. Shanti, shanti unto all. And as I read those words, I literally began to hear music, almost as if it was playing in the next room. And I picked Mm -hmm. up my guitar and just began to play along. And one after another, I did the same thing, as if they were already written, and I just almost caught them. And within one hour, I put all 12 of the prayers to music. And that's when, uh, it was actually Louis Randa, who I mentioned before, who said, you're the peace troubadour. And I said, okay, I'm the peace troubadour. And at that time, I, I just wanted, I wanted to be like St. Francis. I wanted to be a penniless troubadour, just traveling around the world, sharing these prayers. And the first place I decided I wanted to go to was Bosnia and Croatia during the Balkan War. Mm, And because I really felt that a peace troubadour should be willing to go where peace is needed. And I had this remarkable adventure where I was taken up into the mountains between Bosnia and Croatia, where there was a a group of mystics known as the Emissaries of Light. And I had this amazing adventure with them. And I came back Mm. and thought I should write this down. And I wrote my first book. Actually, in two weeks, I wrote the whole book. And two days later, it was bought by a publisher. It was a miracle. And it became mm-hmm. a big bestseller. And suddenly, I was no longer a penniless troubadour. <laughs> 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 and, and I was so grateful for that. But here I am now, all these you know decades later, kind of back where I started, just wanting to travel and share and and live like St. Francis. Because I, I don't need all the stuff. I don't need the goods. What I want is goodness. And that's what, you know, Francis was the rich kid in town. He was the son of a rich cloth merchant. 
and and then his heart was cracked open when he was in prison for a year uh, when Assisi was badly in Perugia, and his heart opened and everything changed. He no longer saw as valuable that which had no value, and one day he finally stripped naked in front of the whole town and walked out. And that's how it all began. So Francis gave up everything. And I feel like that's kind of happening to me now, 25 years later, after that first inspiration. Uh, but I've had the chance, you know, since then to travel to so many countries at war and have some amazing experiences. So it's mm-hmm. been an amazing 25 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, how were the peace missions around the world inspired by St. Francis of Assisi, though? Because of that story that I mentioned earlier uh, with Francis mm-hmm. going to the Sultan, mm-hmm. I, for, for example, I remember um, the first time I really felt that, it was in 1998, and the, the book Emissary of Light had just come out. I was in the UK doing a book tour there, and I was on a radio show called The James Whale Show, which is a huge radio show in, in, in England. And I was told to be careful because he likes to push his guests. In fact, the people who were on right before me had stormed out of the interview. I had no idea why, but I thought, oh, great, here we go. Now, this was at a time when we were right on the brink of war with Iraq again. And I'm doing the interview, and this James Wales said, okay, Mr. Peace Troubadour, how is this more than just a New Age fantasy? And I said... What I really want to do is go to Iraq, go to Baghdad, and sing the Muslim peace prayer to Saddam Hussein. Maybe if I did that, a miracle would happen. Well, what I didn't know was that the the Iraqi ambassador to Great Britain heard this interview. And three days later, I'm on an airplane <laughs> flying to oh, Amman, wow. Jordan, and then taking a 12-hour taxi drive from Amman to Baghdad. And... And there I was in Baghdad. In fact, I'll tell you one quick story. Uh, when I arrived there, literally the first time I stepped foot onto Iraqi soil, the Iraqis were paying for all of this. And they were putting me up in the nicest hotel in Baghdad, which was called the El Rashid Hotel. And when you when you step out of, you know, stepping in through the door of the hotel, there's a beautiful mosaic on the ground that you have to walk over. And in the very center of this mosaic is this, uh, the face of a man snarling. I stop and I look at it because he looks familiar. And at the bottom, in the mosaic itself, it says, Bush is a criminal. <laughs> not, <laughs> not George W., but his father, because he started the first Iraqi war. Right. And so this was literally my welcome mat. But I have to say that my experience there was so brilliant, probably just like it was for Francis with the Sultan. All I found were amazing people who were just as dedicated to peace as I was. In fact, after this big concert that I did at the National Theater, we, they had a big party for me, and all we did was sit around singing Simon and Garfunkel songs in Baghdad. So you, you never know. And uh, you know, most recently, I, I did a concert uh, a couple of years ago now on a hill looking into a Syrian village held by ISIS. And there I am up on this hill with about 100 people doing this concert. And uh, my favorite thing about that was that Bill Maher, 
caught wind of it. Mm-hmm. And probably the best publicity I ever had was when on his show he called me the idiot folk singer from Portland. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Great publicity. And, and hey. in that case, and in also the Iraqi case, there were millions of people who knew about these peace concerts and stopped and prayed at the same time. And there's so many miracles I could go on and on about. But it just goes to show that when we focus in that way, when there are people from all over the world who come together and focus their light and their love on a situation, it changes that mm-hmm. situation. That's the power yeah. of prayer. I totally agree with that. I pray every day. I pray all the time. And that's what I tell some of my clients. I'm like, just pray about it. Just pray yep. and you'll see a miracle. Your prayers will be answered. Maybe not the way you think they should be, but pray about yeah, it you know, before you do yes definitely so um gonna jump around a little bit here it's it, you joined the franciscan order when you were 18 and then left when you yeah. were 20 what inspired you to both enter and then leave well when i was young i was very mystical and i had a great mm-hmm. love of saint francis and when I was about 17, I, I met a Franciscan named Francis Dominic, and I just loved him. He was he, he was exactly what you would expect from a Franciscan, so open-hearted, so loving. And, and I thought, okay, I'm supposed to be a priest. So right out of high mm-hmm. school, I entered the Franciscan order, mainly because of Francis Dominic. And I loved mm-hmm. it. I, I still look back on it as two of the most wonderful years of my life. But I wasn't quite ready to make that commitment. I was so young and immature and naive. Mm-hmm. So I left. I finished school. And I did get married and had my daughter. And now I'm a grandparent. So I'm so glad that all of that happened. But Francis never let go of me. There's a saying, once mm-hmm. a Franciscan, always a Franciscan. And it's so true because the spirit and the energy of Francis is so seductive. And that's mm-hmm. why I can't get away from it. And I keep writing these books and mm-hmm. doing musicals all about him. And mm-hmm. then I I have a friend who is a Catholic bishop. And I asked him if he would uh, do a private, take private vows for me. In other words, I, I'm too old at this point to, to join the Franciscan order, but I could take mm-hmm. private vows to live that spirituality as close as I can with the bishop. So I did that um, about two years ago now. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, you know, I feel like Francis, because Francis had the same dilemma. All he really wanted was to go up to his cave at the top of Mount Subasio and just commune Mm -hmm. with with God and with nature. And that's what I would love to do. I I really want to be a hermit (laughs) and just pray all the time. But I keep getting inspired Mm -hmm. by these books and projects and doing interviews like this and and mm-hmm. I'm just so passionate about it. it. It's hard for me to relax into my hermit self. Maybe one day, but for now, I, I want to do this tour. I want to live like St. Francis. And and as I said before, you know, as Vladimir Lenin said, what we need are 10 St. Francis. What he really said was what Russia needed were 10 St. Francis mm-hmm. because he recognized that if they had had 10 people like that, they wouldn't have needed a revolution. And so I'm mm-hmm. saying today, I'll be number 10. If there are another nine, I think we can change the world. I think that's mm-hmm. what it's going to take. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, that's why I do interviews like this. That's why 
I educate people. There's a different way of life than what we're living now in this country, in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I do this work, you know, to educate people, because when you change yourself, you change the outer world, you change your inner world, you change your outer world, in my opinion. So it all starts with me, right? That's right. So um, you you took these private vows as a Franciscan hermit, as you mentioned. How does that align with performing the musical across the country? It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, but you know, hey, I've got to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. Um, well, I I think what I'm called to do is just to not so much to be a hermit, because because at least right now that's just not going to happen. I'm too on mm-hmm. fire. I'm uh, I'm too excited. I I, I have too mm-hmm. much I want to share, and. Maybe at some point that will make sense. But right now, I just need to follow this fire as closely to Francis as I can. And that's why, for example, this tour, traveling across the country penniless, in total Mm -hmm. trust, in total surrender, that made a lot of sense to me. Because obviously I'm not being a hermit, but I'm trying to imitate Francis. And Francis was the great imitator of Jesus. So indirectly, I'm imitating Jesus. And there's such a freedom and there's such power within that. Francis felt it 800 years ago, and he initiated the Renaissance. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, some people say, you're going to be like Forrest Gump. People are going to join you on the road, and they're going to just keep walking all the way to New York. Who knows? I have no idea what's going to happen, but I don't have to. My only thing is to commit to this and to say, I am going to go for it. And if other people want to go for it, fine. So I may not be you know, a very good hermit because <laughs> I'm not, but hopefully I can do something else and live up to this legacy. Yeah, it's more about example, I think, too. We need more, I don't want to say, I don't want to call it superheroes, but I think more examples out there like yourself. And um, we, we do need today. that. We need that more than ever in this world, in this, in this, where we're living, definitely. And speaking about that, there's so much we can talk about minimalism and simplifying our lives. How does that relate to St. Francis, you think? Minimalism very much relates to St. Francis because he was the ultimate minimalist. He was the supreme minimalist. As I said before, he came from one of the richest families in Assisi. He had everything. And he marched off to war to be a great knight. And that didn't go very well for him. And ultimately, he knew that for him to have what he really longed for, he had to give everything up. And he was so oh, passionate and so severe, even in, in the way that he lived it. At first, it inspired so many people. The first uh, friend of his to follow him was Bernardo de Quintavalle. And he was very rich as well. He was, you know, one of the most influential people in a seat. He was a war hero, and he was so moved by Francis that he left everything. Before long, hundreds and then thousands of men and women were following Claire and doing this, and it mm. it just it took it took over Europe at that time. But as more and more men came, this didn't happen to Claire. This only happened to the men. Uh, mm-hmm. They began to say, "This is too hard." Can you lighten up a little bit? <laughs> you are the supreme minimalist to the point that we can't take it. And mm-hmm. Francis 
always said, this is the path. We, 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 we need to own nothing. We, we, we need to, be, to, to follow Jesus as the poor. And mm-hmm. so he, the only thing he had were, were the clothes on his back, and he really didn't even have those. And ultimately, the funny thing is, almost as soon as he died, everything changed. Even before he died, control of the order was taken away from him. And mm-hmm. after he died, they began to build major cathedrals and basilicas in his name, which is, would be the opposite mm-hmm. of what he wanted. So this is another thing that, that I think Francis can teach us today, the power of mm-hmm. simplicity. And there's so many people who are minimalizing their lives. Here in Mexico, we have dozens of tiny houses where people come from all over the world to live in because mm-hmm. they're letting go of everything. And they, mm-hmm. they want to live a more minimal life. So mm-hmm. Francis has so much to teach us today. Mhm. Definitely, definitely. And what do you hope to gain by living like St. Francis on tour? Oh, goodness, that is a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that one. And the answer is I don't know. I don't know what I hope to gain. Oh, maybe just to to experience that love and that oneness as he did. Maybe that's mm-hmm. it to go so deep and to soar so high that I'm somehow able to touch the hem of that experience that Mm -hmm. he so beautifully embraced 800 years ago. Mm. Yeah, well, like you said, you'll find out. (laughs) You will find find out. out. (laughs) It's going to be good. It's going to be good for your soul growth. And and like I said, it's going to be good for a lot of us to you know, be observers, witnesses of this and how mm-hmm. maybe we can apply that to our lives, maybe not to the extent you're doing, but to apply it to our lives in some way, if we can take away yeah. something from it. And that's yeah. awesome. So I'm going to got a couple more questions. I'll wrap up the interview. And it, um, the U.S. seems to be completely margina- marginalized right now. What do you think St. Francis would say about this? Well, the same thing was happening then, very similar, actually. Mm-hmm. At that time, uh, cities and towns would go to war with each other. It wasn't countries, it was cities, towns. And for Francis, uh, it was always the neighboring Perugia, because mm-hmm. Perugia was a papal city, and, and Assisi was an independent city. And then there were the cities that were aligned with Frederick the Great, the Holy Roman Emperor. And it was a terrible, constant battle atrocities that you wouldn't believe were going on. And mm-hmm. and Francis's whole thing was to witness to something higher. He One of my favorite quotes from Francis is when he said, our only job is to teach the gospel wherever we go, and only when necessary to use words. Mm-hmm. So Francis didn't rely upon words. He relied upon presence, and he relied upon being the change as Gandhi would say. I think that's what we need. We need people today who aren't talking so much, who aren't arguing, who aren't trying to convince other people. We need people like Francis who can listen deeply, and and through their example, they can begin to transform the world. Mm. Very true, very true. So after you do this off-Broadway performance of the musical, 
what are you going to be up to and where can people find you? Oh goodness, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, I I I know I'll be back here in Mexico because you know we have a lot of people who live here, and and so I need to be present for that. So that'll be the, uh, where I'm going to be coming home to. And once again, if people want to stay attuned, they just need to go to JimmyTwyman.com, and they can get on the email list. They can watch 20 minutes of the musical. Uh, they can get the book there and see the schedule so you can see if I'm going to be coming into your area when doing the musical. And um, But I, I will say I love doing this performance. It's probably the most fun I've ever had. So I have a feeling I'm going to be doing this for years to come. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It was my honor to meet you today. Um, I appreciate you so many ways for coming on and educating our listeners on a different way of life and just enlightening us. It was a true pleasure to have you on. And um, let me know what your next book is. (laughs) We'll have you on again. We'll see if there is one. (laughs) Probably. Probably. You've got a lot of work to do yet, I'm hearing. Well, thank you so much. Um, And this is Amy Toy with Angel Angels Amy Toy. And may the angels carry you through to next week. Take care, everybody. Look up high.